Thank you, praise team. Appreciate you guys this morning. Jim, it's good to be back. Uh, you may have noticed that we were out last week, and um, we'd actually been invited to come back to one of our church ministries and be part of their homecoming. And so that was exciting. We hadn't really been back to that ministry in 14 years. And uh, so that was encouraging to go back in Clayton, North Carolina, Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We served there for four years as their associate pastor. And it was good to see some old faces. Uh, some of the folks hadn't seen the girls. Anna was three when we moved from that ministry. And so, say what? Three months. Yes. She was three months. Yep. And uh, so I can neither hear whispers nor read lips. And so I have to say, oh, okay. So, um, so anyway, it was good to be back. It was a good weekend, good time to preach and and to be with God's people, and, and it, the, the ministry has changed. I mean, there was probably six or seven families uh, that, <clears throat> that we knew when we were there, and so it was good to be there. So, Pastor Dean, uh, thank you for filling in last week. Uh, praise the Lord for that and, and, and uh, taking care of, of that slot for Pastor Jeremy at that time, and, and now I get the privilege of being able to preach to you this morning. If you would this morning, turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I uh, want to encourage you out of the Word of God this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to read in your hearing this morning, uh, verses 15 and following, verses 15 and following. Now, you recall that, that Paul is in jail, okay? I'm always amazed, I always marvel, children's church, you're dismissed. Um, I'm always amazed, yeah, I said it right, better late than never, <clears throat> um, um, I'm always amazed at Paul, and when he wrote and penned the book of Philippians, he's in prison, and he's in prison for his faith. He's in prison for teaching the truth of God's word, and most of us would be in despair. Most of us would be discouraged. Most of us would desire just to give up, and yet Paul pens this book, Philippians, the book of joy. And so even in the darkest times of our circumstances, when we give ourselves over to the authority of God and His goodness and His Word, we can find joy and we can be in a state of joy even in the darkest times of our lives. And here Paul in 2 Timothy, it's going to be the last book that he writes before he passes from this life and into eternity, okay, before he's executed. And so for the faith, and here Paul is encouraging Timothy, lifting Timothy, Timothy up, and, and, and using the authority of, of the Spirit of Christ to pen this book. And here we are in verse 15. Listen to what Paul has to say. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus, for he often replenished me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. In one of our previous ministries, and in any time that you've been in ministry, you're going to experience 
highlights and you're going to experience heartache. It's going to happen. It's just par for the course. It is what it is. Okay, you guys as well in your workplace and relationships, you're going to experience high points and you're going to experience those low points. It's, it's part of life. I remember as a kid in elementary school, you'd get a bully, get somebody to pick on you. Okay, and you kind of wish them away. I wish they weren't here. Life would be so much better if they weren't here. And as soon as that bully left, somebody replaced them. I mean, it was just one bad person after another. Okay, so you can't change your circumstances, in other words. You can't change what's going to happen in the ministry. You can't change what's going to happen in your walk with Christ. Okay, you can't change your circumstances, but you can change your attitude. You can change who you are and how you look at things. And you can change the type of person that you are to being a person that brings profit to a ministry and not pain. In any circumstance, you might have somebody um, in, in you know, like Rebecca and I have had in the past. We had a couple that he was head of my deacons, and um, we had a strong relationship. We, we were connected at the hip. If I saw something coming down the pike, then I would contact him saying, I don't know if this is going to happen, but it kind of looks like we had communication. I shared a lot of things with him. He was my right-hand man. I leaned on him greatly. Okay, begin to see the move where it begins to step away from this, begins to step away from that, and steps down from this ministry and that ministry and those kinds of things. Kind of saw that, but we listened to his words. His words were, we're going to stay here, we're going to continue to serve. We've just been leading music for 35 years, and so we're just going to kind of step back a little bit and take a breather. And then one Sunday they don't show up. The next Sunday they're not there. The next Sunday they're not there. The next Sunday they're not there. We make eventually contact, set up a time where we can sit down and talk with them. Is there an offense that's taken place? What's happened? They just, they just vanish. I mean, somebody that you've spent eight years with in the trenches, serving together during times of trouble and difficulty and challenges, and they're gone without a whisper. Man, you, you feel like you've been deserted. You feel like you've been abandoned. You feel like, wow, this is the person that I trusted. And of everybody in the church, I trusted this one person the most. And it was in that moment that I looked at Rebecca and I said, don't ever trust anybody in ministry ever again. That's a bad place to be in. Okay. Now, are we still in that same state? No. And when I say state, I'm not talking about a physical location. I'm talking about a mental location. Are we beginning to learn to trust again? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those things come back. But you have those moments. You have somebody probably in your mind that you were good friends with. And they just, for whatever reason, just deserted you, abandoned you, left you. And it's discouraging. It's heartbreaking. But then you have those folks in ministry, like the Turners, that we love dearly, an older couple in their late 80s, early 90s. They couldn't serve in Awana. They couldn't serve in children's church. They couldn't serve in the nursery. They're, they just, they had aged out. I mean, if there was ever an age to age out, it's in your 80s and 90s. They aged out. But after almost every service, they'd come up, shake our hands, hug on us, love on us. Pastor, we love you. Pastor, that was a good message. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for bringing the word of God. It's, it's those kinds of folks that are encouragers. 
They build you up. They seek you out intentionally to encourage you. And so you got two different examples. Not only what I shared with you this morning, but you got two different examples here in the authority of God's word. Paul says again in verse 15, he says, This you know that all those in ages, they've turned away from me. Paul says. Everybody. Now, I'm not sure that everybody has, but you, you know what he's saying. Man, there's a quadrillion gnats out in the yard. You really know that there's not a quadrillion. Okay. But there are a lot of gnats around this place. And there probably are that many. I probably... Lowered the bar on that. There's a lot of gnats outside. I digress. Get back on subject. We got off subject this morning in Sunday school, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we got way off subject. But anyway, I digress. Um, you know what Paul, he's, he's using hyperbole here. This you all know that those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. These two men, they've, they've turned away from me. And then you have another example. Onephorus. That's the Turners. That's the Turners. You, you've got these gentlemen that are mentioned here. Those are the ones that bring discouragement and pain and sorrow in your life. And then you've got those people like Onephorus who bring profit. The word, the name Onephorus means bringing profit. He was a profit bringer. He, he brought encouragement. He brought light and hope. Okay, Those are the turners of the world. No, I can't serve and I, I can't get involved. But man, they had the gift of encouragement and they used it. And so I want to bring these three thoughts to you this morning. Paul's pain. We see this in verse 15. This you know that all those in Asia, they have turned away from me. And so we see two things here in verse 15. We see Paul's pain. We see the people. Phygelus just means a little fugitive. That's what the name means. It's always interesting. Anytime you're reading in the word of God, look up names. Look up the meaning of those names because it really gives you a, a broader picture. And so these guys have turned away from Paul and his name is Little Fugitive. Hermogenes, born of Mercury. So in other words, probably what we're doing is dealing with here Gentile men who maybe came to the saving knowledge of Christ, or maybe they didn't, maybe they just said they did, and they turned back to the world, they turned back from their pagan former ways of idolatry, born of Mercury. They were Gentiles probably were idol worshipers, came out of that kind of home. And so these are the people that Paul was dealing with when it comes to account of his, his pain. The second thing we see in verse 15 is this. We see the problem. The word or the phrase there in verse 15, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. The word turned away there means to defect, to remove allegiance from someone. It's the word that we get our English word, apostate, to turn away, to do a 180, to leave, to desert. And so Paul here is in jail trying to serve Christ. And maybe these two men were embarrassed at what Paul stood for. 
Paul stood for social rebellion. Society was, let's worship idolatry, let's worship uh, Caesar, let's worship the sun, moon, and the stars, let's worship everything. Let's, and if it were the Jews, it's, let's have religion. And Paul was not about any of that. He wasn't about the idolatry. He wasn't about religion. He was about serving the one true God. And because he was serving the one true God, because he had these chains in Christ, these men very well may have been people that looked at Paul and like, I'm embarrassed to you. I'm ashamed of you. Society looks at you as a plague. You're part of the way. As you see in the book of Acts. They were of the way. And so they were embarrassed and ashamed of what he stood for in Christ Jesus. And so they said, you know what? This life in Christ isn't worth it. And isn't worth it the pain and suffering that the potential to go to prison. It's just not worth it. And so we're going to leave Paul behind. And that's his pain. They were apostates. They left. They abandoned him. And you know, guys, you could probably think in the back of your mind somebody that's done that to you. You wanted to stand for Christ. You've wanted to do the right thing. You wanted to stand on truth and the authority of God's word. And somebody, because of that, because you're a weirdo, they're going to abandon you. Or maybe it's just because, you know, you're good friends and they found another friend. Okay? And so their allegiance is not there. They desert you. They leave you. That's happened. And it's painful. It's hurtful. It's not welcomed. We don't desire this. We don't look forward to it. But guess what? It happens. We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is cursed. And people are cursed with it. It's part of life. And so what do we do? We complain and murmur about it. We, we go on our lives recounting the situation over and over and over and over in our minds. Or do we simply move on from it? In this case, we see in verse 15, Paul shares, hey, these guys have abandoned me. They've abandoned me. But you don't see him complaining. You don't see him whining. You don't see him going on and on and on about it. He turns his focus yet to another gentleman in verse 16. And in verse 16, we see my second point. We see Paul's praise, don't we? Look at verse 16. It says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And so we turn away from Paul's pain and we move into our second thought this morning. And that is Paul's praise. We see the person Onephorus. Simply again, his name means bringing profit. So you got one that's a fugitive, one that is found guilty of abandoning Paul. But now you have one in Onephorus who's bringing profit to Paul. And what did, what did Onephorus do? Well, we, we saw that he, we see first of all that he sought Paul. Okay, if you go back to verse 16, it says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived at Rome, he sought and found me, found out, uh, and, and sought me out very zealously. 
And so when Onephorus got to Rome, he didn't know exactly where Paul was. And so he's going on the street. Hey, you know where Paul of Tarsus, you know where this guy is? You know where that preacher is that's locked up? And so he's looking. And he just, he just didn't do a quick Google search and then run on. I mean, this man is in Rome and he's looking for Paul. And he sought him out very zealously. Isn't it great when you've been out of church for a little while and somebody comes up to you and says, man, it's good to see you. Welcome back. How are you guys doing? Doesn't that feel good? Because, first of all, we see that that's intentional, isn't it? And somebody says, hey, welcome back. It's so good to see you. It's an intentional act. Be that kind of person. Being an onephorous. And somebody has been out of church for a while. You haven't seen them. Seek them intentionally. I mean, we've got so many devices. We've got, you know, messenger and texting and this platform and that platform. Just send a text. Hey, I've been praying for you. Hadn't seen you in a while. Seek them out intentionally. Be an onephorous. Bring profit to that person and zealously, intentionally look for him. As we read this verse, not only do we see that he sought Paul intentionally, but secondly, we see as he sought Paul that he invested time in looking for him. It says, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. took time. We're all busy. But man, it doesn't take time to send a text. It doesn't take time to send an email, pick up a phone. Okay? Sometimes we don't have time maybe to, to drop by and make a visit. Okay? But the point is, he sought Paul out intentionally. He invested time into seeking Paul out. Okay? And then thirdly, I don't know if you know this or not, as we read into the scriptures just a little bit, okay, we saw that, that it was a bit inconvenient for him or it put him possibly in peril. Because you know, it's not like our system today that if you decide, you know what, I want to start a jail ministry, and so I'm going to go visit somebody in jail. And you don't have any fear of yourself personally unless you got some warrants out for you. Then, then just don't go, okay? If you're going to start a jail ministry, make sure that you don't have any warrants, okay? Once you've cleared that up, you can go to jail and have a jail ministry. Or you're going to go to jail and have a jail ministry. That's for sure. You're going to have jail inside. Never mind. I digress. The Roman culture at that time and society and government would just snag you and just throw you in jail. You know, you weren't presumed innocent until proven guilty. Okay? You didn't have to, all of these processes that we have to safeguard our liberties today. Um, so he put his own self at peril. He put his own self at risk by seeking out Paul. He himself could have been thrown in jail. And so the first thing that we see with Onephorus is he sought Paul out. But the second thing, thing that we see with Onephorus and Paul is that he ministered to Paul. Look at verse 18. It says, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways that he ministered unto me at Ephesus. And so he ministered to wait upon, to serve, to relieve one's necessities, to supply. And so he ministered unto Paul. And it says, how many ways? And so he sought him out, and then he thought, how can I serve this man? How can I minister to this man? How can I encourage him and, and lift him up? How can I serve him? As a society, when we look at somebody that's a servant or in the position of servanthood, today's society in, in the world is looking at people like that as kind of lowly. 
you know, I can't tell you the number of people that I've gone out to eat with, and if you guys ever invite us to come out to eat out in a restaurant, please don't be rude to the, the server, okay? Oh, it's so embarrassing. Get me this, get me that. That wasn't right, that wasn't right. Oh, I can't stand it. They, you respect that person that is serving you. you. You do that for testimony's sake. But here, Onephorus is exalted for seeking out in a desire to serve Paul. It's an exalted position. When you serve somebody, it's not a demeaning position. It's an exalted position within the Christian world. And so be that type of person like Onephorus, willing to serve one another in the body of Christ. And so with Onephorus, we see his, the person, we, he sought Paul out. He ministered to, to Paul. But I want you to notice in verse 16, he was not ashamed of Paul. He was not ashamed. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus, for often he refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. You know, when you stand for Christ, oftentimes there's consequences to that. And where the other men deserted Paul, potentially because they were ashamed of why he was in jail and imprisoned in the first place, it's very possible that Onephorus is like, Paul, I appreciate you, I admire you for standing for truth and being willing to do it, even to suffer the consequences of going to jail. And so Onephorus was not ashamed of Paul, not ashamed of what he stood for. Don't be ashamed for what we stand for in Christ Jesus. But fourthly, with Paul's praise in the person, he sought Paul, he ministered unto Paul. Uh, thirdly, he was not ashamed of Paul. But then fourthly, he refreshed Paul. Again, look at verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus, for he often refreshed me. He often refreshed me. Simply what this means is that Paul was in a heated state in his life. Okay? And Onephorus came and he cooled him off. That's what the word means, to refresh, to cool off, to revive, to help, to recover from the effects of heat. A couple years ago, I think it was a couple years ago, I was having a procedure done, and we won't go into that. And um, sometime after that procedure, I'm sitting in the waiting room. And I looked at Rebecca and I said, I feel dizzy. No junior, if he's in here, I didn't feel more dizzier than normal. Because I can see that pop in his brain. I started, I said, Rebecca, I feel dizzy. And one of the nurses left. And, you know, the cure-all in the VA is what? Okay, ginger ale and a pack of nap. Okay, that's the VA. You don't feel good, I'm going to get you a ginger ale and a beet and, uh, and, um, and pack of nap. Now fix everything. That's some more people. Um, and so I'm sitting there. She ran off. And I said, Rebecca. I think I'm going to pass out. And about that time, I just, I was gone, lights out. I've never passed out in my entire life. And I remember while I was in this state of being passed out, I was like, I was like standing like this in a blue room, and I was being given commands, and I couldn't respond. I couldn't think to respond. I couldn't understand what those commands were. I could just hear something in my head. And then I came back, and the nurse that left was like, in a blue uniform, the one that was sitting to my right was in a black one. Things had changed. And I was like, whoa, this is, there's a gurney coming in. And I was like, what is going on here? And then I hear, 
He's breaking out a sweat. He's breaking. And, and they, they brought a cool pack and put it on the back of my neck. Can I just tell you how refreshing that was? I mean, it was unbelievably refreshing. I was like, whew. And Rebecca, her, she was in there watching me. And when I said, I'm getting dizzy, she said, my head just went. And then I started. Never saw that in a message before, have you? And, um, and they lifted my head up. And, and the lady was over here barking commands. And, bah, 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 bah. and that's what I was hearing. But I, I couldn't respond. And I came back. And it felt so good just to have that cool pack on my neck. I mean, just it, And that's what you are to people that are in distress. When you refresh them, you encourage them, you cool them off in the heat of that moment, right? Because you're given a word of encouragement or, or maybe you don't even have to give a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's just, just good for people to just talk and just, just get it out and you just sit and listen. And you just sit and listen. And that's what Onephorus was to Paul. It says he often refreshed it wasn't more than once. It was continual. So Paul is in his prison. It's dark. It's damp. It's dirty. Okay, it's not like the prison that we get where we celebrate Thanksgiving, give all the prisoners turkeys. No. It, I mean, it's, it's horrible conditions. And for whatever reason or for however he's doing it, Onephorus comes in. He brings him food and probably some fresh water, maybe a change of clothes. I don't know. But he often refreshed Paul. And then thirdly this morning, we see Paul's prayer. We see Paul's prayer. Let's read it again, starting in verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my, my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously, and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And so Paul is sharing all the wonderful things that Onephorus did for Paul. He sought him intentionally. He ministered unto him. He was not ashamed of who Paul was and what he represented. He refreshed Paul. He, he cooled him off. He revived him. And so all that Paul could do, he couldn't like whip out his credit card and say, here, go to the food line and get yourself a soda. Paul was there, and he said, the only thing that I can do for you, which is the most important thing, is I can minister now to you in prayer. And so we see Paul's prayer, don't we? Again, reading some of the highlights of the prayer. It says in verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onephorus. Skip on down to verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. When you see that phrase, in that day, the return of Christ. The return of Christ. And so he was anticipating the return of Christ. And so we see Paul's prayer for this gentleman, Onephorus, and that's the only thing that he could do to really be a blessing. That's really oftentimes what we need, isn't it? Now, let me read just a couple of passages of scriptures for you. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Paul here saying, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The greatest thing that you can do for somebody as they're ministering to you, minister back to them in prayer. In prayer. Look at Colossians. I'm just going to take you there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. In verse 3 it says this. It says, we give thanks 
to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul is praying, a, a, a prayer ministry, if you will. And so here, this is what we're left with. This beautiful picture of Paul in jail. He's being uh, abandoned by people that were working with him, that were associating with him. Apparently got uh, ashamed of his chains and who he was, and so they left. And then uh, Onephorus seeks him out. He ministered to Paul. He refreshed Paul. He encouraged Paul. He lifted him up. Paul prays for him. Paul prays for him, and he, he ministers to him the ministry of prayer, prayer. And so what do we have in application? What do we have in application? What do we, what do, we do to take this simple message, this simple account, and how do we apply it to our lives? First of all, we look at Christ's command. We look at Christ's command. Let's go back, read verse 15 again. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are. Okay, and I guarantee you, in the back of your mind, you can fill in the blank who has abandoned you in the past, who has hurt you in the past. And you can go back and you can recount that story over and over and over and over again in your mind, but you can't ever quite remember all the good things that somebody has done for you. I remember one time a, a friend of mine was getting married, and so another friend of mine said to him, Well, I'll buy you a honeymoon package or a VCR. So he took the VCR. Some of you are like, oh, what's a VCR? Okay, look it up. You'll find out. I think we all know what a VCR is. So he took the VCR, man. So he came to me, and he said, when we got married, you want a honeymoon package or a VCR? I want a honeymoon package, right? And he, he gave this. And this other friend was there. Well, it sure would have been nice you'd done that for me when I got married. And he looks at him and says, I forgot about that VCR box. Oh, yeah. See, when you're focused on all the bad things in life, you forget the good things, don't you? You know that. Okay? One person, you, you can have a wonderful outreach ministry, and you reach 100 homes, and people are excited. And everybody is excited about that moment. And you have one complainer. And as human response, what do we do? We focus on that one whiner, right? That one person is just going to ruin it for all of us. But what does Christ say what our attitude should be in Matthew chapter 5? Those that maybe have deserted us, abandoned us. Look at verse 43 of Matthew 5. You've heard it said... Or you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, Christ is quoting a common teaching among the religious Jews where they were able to justify hating somebody. Oh, you hate your neighbor. Don't love them Gentiles, right? And then in verse 30, uh, 44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be, let me insert a word here, seeing, demonstrate that you are indeed born again to be sons of the Father in heaven for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He brings the showers, he brings the rains for both the good and the evil. So
so the point of this passage of scripture is, hey, those that have abandoned you, those that have discouraged you, don't hate on them. Okay, the application here is to pray for them, to do good for them, to bless them when they curse you, when they persecute you, say, say good things. Okay, and so that is the command of Christ. Now, I fell into this trap one time. Because I read that verse and I thought, okay, if I do this, then it's going to make their heart soft and they're going to love us. Because you don't see that in the passage, do you? You don't. I read that into the passage. I expected that to happen. I'm going to do good. This person is being so hateful to me. And so I'm just going to love on them. I'm pray for them. I'm going to do a good deed to encourage them in the Lord. And they even got more hateful. I was like, what? And so I went back to that verse. And I was like, okay, Lord, you said that if I do good, there's going to be a positive response. Nope, it ain't in there. He says to do good because you demonstrate that you are born again. Because that's what God does. God loves the evil man. God loves the good man. He allows the goodness to be poured down upon those that reject him. And he also allows goodness to be poured down on those that love him. That has nothing to do with softening the heart of somebody else. So they'll love you in return. Don't fall into that trap. But our first application is, hey, Paul. Paul wasn't ugly to these guys, was he? Just matter-of-factly. Hey, hey, just let y'all know, Asia's turned away from me, and these two knuckleheads, and then he goes on to Anephorus. Okay? Now, I said that. I went to, um, I went to Wayne Christian the other day, and I, I subbed. Okay? And so it was kind of cool. It was on a Tuesday, sub the afternoon. They were obviously desperate if they're asking me to sub, okay? In science class, right? Yeah, yeah, what? Right, I mean, that's desperation. You're asking me to sub in science class. It was only a half a day. So I get there and they're like, all right, Mr. Mark, you gotta do the social, what's it called? Social contract. Okay, so I'm reading the social contract. It said, don't make fun of others. So I turned around and I said, all right, you dirtbags, let's get to work. I thought it was funny. Okay, they said, now you got to give us two positive things. Oh, so a consequence came down on me, right? So now why was I sharing that? Oh, don't be mean to people. I don't know. There was a point there somewhere. Christ command, speak nice to people. Right, I think that's where I was going with that. I have no idea. I was subbing. I was amazed. We lived. <laughs> Christ's command. Let's go to point two. <laughs> Here, I was making fun of Jeremy for being old, right? I can't even remember what I'm doing. Oh, there are all three of them right there. Okay, so let's go to number two. Christ's command. Wait a second, I went backwards. No, I went forwards. Oh, God's omniscience. Did y'all know that... Um, that, that Mark Barnett has an awful disease called phenomenon. <laughs> Did y'all see my email? Did y'all open the email I sent? Okay, Mark has phenomenon. Okay. <laughs> so I was trying to type in there that, that Mark had pneumonia. I misspelled it. Okay, hit right click. What? Oh, my bad. And, uh, I thought, oh, that looked like phenomenon. I mean, pneumonia. And so now Mark Barnett is at home dying of phenomenon. 
okay? So pray for Mark and his phenomenon. And um, I say that because I looked at that word and I thought it said Onephorus, God's Onephorus, but it's omniscience in Proverbs 15 and verse 3. Jeremy needs to come back, doesn't he? <laughs> he desperately needs to get here this morning. Well, we're about done. But uh, no, actually, he doesn't even have pneumonia. I found out this morning by junior he's got bronchitis. And I've been going around telling everybody he's got pneumonia. And then he's got phenomenon, and he's got neither. <laughs> this is what happens when Jeremy and Allison leave, and they put me in charge of emails. Okay? Bad move. Um, God's omniscience. Listen, when we look at Proverbs uh, chapter 15 and verse 3, let's read that real quick. Uh, hitching it back up. I let the trailer off the hitch. We're going to hitch it back up here real quick. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, the word of God says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and on the good. In those moments when those people abandon you, when they desert you, when they leave you, when they hurt you, the first thing that we need to remember is Christ's command. Don't, don't rebel in retaliation. You respond with praying for them and encouraging them. The second thing we see is God's omniscience. When somebody's hurting you, when somebody's abandoned you, when somebody's forsaken you, God has seen it. God has seen that. Okay, And he's in your court as long as you're not wrong in what has happened. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. You take that care, you take that concern, you, you take that humiliation and that hurt, and you bring it before God, and trust God has seen this. He has seen it, and he knows it's going on, and he knows it has happened. The third application that we have here this morning is this. I want you to notice Paul's focus going back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and, and verse 15. Let's go back there real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Verse 16. Then he turns his focus on what Onephorus has done. So there's four verses here. 15, 16, 17, and 18. I can't teach science or spell, but I can count. Okay, As long as I've got more than 10 things. I did. 25% of Paul's complaint is on his first issue. 75% is on the praise of what God has done to him through Paul's focus wasn't on those things that were negative and hurtful. Paul's focus was on those things of the good, rich things that God's people had done for him. And then it just didn't stop there because Paul's ministry wasn't man-focused. It was Christ-focused. And so, yeah, hey, Lord, thank you for Onephorus. Okay, thank you for this person that's done this, this, and this. But then we see him bringing that before God in prayer, don't we? So it just didn't stay with a focus on man. That's our biggest problem in life, isn't it? Is we focus on the hurts that others have done to us and not focus on the good 
things that God has done for us. But oftentimes we stop right there and we don't bring our praise back to God. That it is the central theme of who God is. That God is good and God is holy and God is faithful and God is trustworthy. And yes, Onephorus did something great for me, but God, you get the glory. That was Paul's focus. It wasn't on the hurt and the pain. It was on the goodness that God did for Paul in the life of Onephorus. Three out of the four verses there are focused on that good thing. Let that be your focus. That which is good, that which is right, that which is trustworthy, that which is... Think on those things. Think on those things. And so in summary, church, are you a person in community that is bringing profit? Or are you a person that is bringing pain? Are you the type of person that goes, hey, you know, I don't have the gift of encouragement. That doesn't mean you can't encourage. It doesn't mean that you can't say a prayer. That doesn't mean that you can't say something good to somebody. Lifting them up and encouraging them in Christ, right? We've got a lot of people that have been out sick and hurting, both physically, mentally, and emotionally, as I have just probably ruined Mark Barnett's life. Nobody wants to be around him because he's got phenomenon. I mean, it's deadly and it is contagious. I've ruined his life, but I can lift him up in Christ in prayer. I can love my brother in Christ, even though I've ruined him. But I digress. Folks, are, are you, and this is a good, healthy church, and I want to see that it stays good and healthy, and I want to see that it grows even beyond that. Are you the type of person at Community Baptist Church that brings profit to others, like Onephorus did? Or are you the type of person that, that is a cancer within the body of Christ with your attitude, with your grievances, and those kinds of things? Think on those things. Are you an Onephorus? Or are you those that abandoned Paul this morning? Think on those things and be encouraged in Christ to be an encourager and a lover of the brothers and sisters in Christ within the body of Christ. You know, that only takes place when you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That only happens. You can't pull up your bootstraps. You can't turn over a new leaf. You can't become a good person because there's nothing good about us. The only thing good about us is that God in Christ has poured his spirit in us so that we can change for the benefit, the good of others, and for the glory of God. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for these examples in the scripture. Thank you for Paul for setting a wonderful example of somebody that was in jail in a really dark place. And he had people abandoning him, forsaking him, turning their back on him. And yet, Lord, that wasn't even his focus. His focus was on the good things of Christ. And one of those good things in Christ was Onephorus. That was his focus. He sat back and he thought about those things. He meditated on those things. And then he shared that goodness with others so that, Lord, we can be an Onephorus. We can bring profit one to another. We can take the gifts that you've given us and benefit them to the, the good of man and to the glory of God. So, Father, help us to do that every single day. Lord, if we've been hurt, help us to bring that hurt before you. If we've been abandoned, 
Help us, Lord, to know, Lord, that you feel our pain, you feel our sorrow of abandonment and forsaking. And God, I pray that we would pour our heart out to you and get those things in those areas right. That we have been hurt and we've got to move on from that pain in Christ. We can't do it in our own strength, our own ability. It's got to be in Christ and in the spirit of Christ and in the scripture. So, Father, I pray for those things. I also pray, Lord, that you will continue to be with our pastor and his dear wife as they are making their way home today. Keep them safe. And also, Lord, we pray for that one today that may not know Christ as Lord and Savior. They have abandoned others. They turned their back on you. They're in abject rebellion. And yet, Lord, they can come to a saving knowledge of Christ. You can change them. They can be a new creature in Christ. And they can be an Onephorus. They can be one that now brings profit to others rather than pain. We pray for them. God bless our time together, and we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.